Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. I can get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll. And on with the show. Hello. And welcome to another edition of Short Bus Debate Club with Brian Courtney and Darren Jolly. This is Brian Courtney. And as always, I am thrilled to talk to you. Today, <laughs> we you gotta stop talking like that, dude. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about social welfare, I guess is the best way to put it. We already covered corporate welfare to some degree, and now um, we're gonna do corporate or er, social welfare, welfare for the populace. Um, so basically, and I'm not talking about the actual financial part. I mean, there is money involved, but I'm talking about the SNAP program. So the USDA has a program called SNAP, which is Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. And SNAP, I don't know, maybe it used to be called, there used to actually be food stamps. Um, but now the SNAP program gives everyone their money on a card through what they call EBT, which is Electronic Benefits Transfer. Are you familiar with said program? I actually, um, when Annie moved to Denver and she was trying to find a job at the beginning of our relationship, Uh, she used it for a little while, for a very short period of time, actually, for about, I don't know, six months or so. Okay, good. So I know, like, <laughs> excuse me, um, when I was a kid, my mom was on food stamps because um, my dad didn't pay his child support and she had two kids to raise. Um even as a kid, I was embarrassed. I, I hated it. And I shouldn't have. Um, because she was using it as I think most people do, which is as a hand up, not a handout. She was using it to spread the little bit of money that she had in order to, to feed us, you know, so that we weren't fucking malnourished. Ethiopian kids with flies on our eyes. Um, Thank you, Sally Struthers. <laughs> not that just not eating turns you into a kid with flies on your eyes, but you get the point. Um, so the reason I wanted to talk about this is because <clears throat> I, I know the government makes things tough. Um, they make it to where if they help you at all, it's difficult to help yourself, um, which kind of automatically makes it a handout because if you work, you know, whatever, X number of hours or you make X number of dollars, then your benefits are cut or you are completely cut off. And I, I know that that's difficult, but... And they've done certain things to make sure that this can't happen. Because I know back in the 90s, 
there was this girl who used to sell her food stamps for like 50 cents on the dollar. And you can't do that anymore because it's on a card. Um, but there are still people, I think, that take advantage of the situation. And it, it really pisses me off. Um, <clears throat> so I've seen people at, well, even the grocery store, but at like 7-Elevens and, and convenience stores. And they go in there and they go crazy. They buy a bunch of shit, candy and soda and stuff that really isn't, I don't think, in line with what the the SNAP program had in mind. Um, because if you hold on, I'll give you their, um, their little blurb about why they do what they do. Um, but... Basically, it's just to make sure that everybody eats healthy. And and like I said, they don't end up being Ethiopians with flies on their eyes. So it says, SNAP provides nutrition benefits to supplement the food budget of needy families so they can purchase healthy food and move towards self-sufficiency. Okay, to me, the key word there is healthy. Um, and I... I eat like shit, I and I drink soda like crazy, but I'm spending my fucking money, not someone else's. And and when these guys are at these convenience stores buying all this crap, they're spending our money as taxpayers. Um, and I don't know, again... I, I want to give people a hand up. I, I want people to be able to eat and have three squares a day and, you know, be healthy. I don't want a bunch of malnourished kids running around. Um, but I've got an issue with it, and I don't know that the government can do anything to, to stop it. Um, well, that's where I would, uh, like... You're a big freedom guy. I mean, that's that's sort of one of the, you know, uh, foundations of your... Uh, Call it an ideology. Yeah, your, yeah, the Brian ideology, right? Um, but even beyond that, when you say spending our money, um, the money that comes from the government to programs like this, certainly uh, a percentage of it comes from taxes. But if there's one thing that we were supposed to learn from John Maynard Keynes and uh, what developed out of the uh, existence of the welfare state is that governments do not uh, have to balance budgets in the same way that maybe a, a company has to balance budgets or a home has to balance budgets. No, we've talked about that a little bit. I, I, I understand yeah. that. But when you, when you say they're spending our money, um, it, it, it sort of presupposes a return back to that, that, that notion what you, you you're looking at me like I'm crazy. No, no. I was just thinking, cause I, I understand what you're saying, but what I would prefer to happen. And of course we're talking about budgets here, but I would prefer that if they had a hundred dollars a month instead of, well, well, cause I'll, I'll tell you some other shit that bothers me later, but since you brought it up with the budgets and everything, they are spending our money. And, 
I, I kind of understand what you're saying with the budgets, but if I've given every, if the government is giving everybody a hundred dollars a month, and they're supposed to be buying healthy food with that, then and, and don't get me wrong, I want people to be able to have snacks, mm-hmm. but I see them day after day buying this shit and using the EBT card. Um. So I'm wondering how much healthy food they actually buy. Okay, so I, I, I get that. But you know you know what the concept of a food desert is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're in a lot of food deserts in Denver okay. and other places. So, and I'm not saying this is a way of trying to qualify. You maybe should explain food desert before we... Okay, well... Just because I don't know if it, everybody does. The, the issue of food desert... And I, I mean, I don't have it perfect in my head, but there's a question of access with regards to being able to Healthy get food. good food. Yeah. Right. So like maybe the only thing that you have, maybe you don't own a, a car, uh, you're dependent on getting around on the bus. And the only thing that you have within, say, say maybe a 12, 12 block radius of your house is is a 7-Eleven, a McDonald's, an Arby's. And that is. OK, well, so that they that explains the food desert. Uh-huh. But just to clarify, they can't go to Arby's or McDonald's with EBT. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I, I just meant, I mean, in, in the bigger yeah. context of, yeah. of a food desert. So, yes, of, of course. Um, but uh, so, I mean, then you see where it is that I'm taking that, that argument at that point is that maybe the reason why they do that is because that's what they have they have access to. And and having said that, of course, you can go to 7-Eleven and there's, uh, you know, you can get some eggs, you can get a salad. You know, there are some things that are nominally healthy, but. Yeah, but the, the problem is that also with the convenience store, and, and this is part of the food desert thing, mm-hmm. is that the convenience store is charging Forty percent more than, you know, a grocery store would. You know, a dozen eggs cost six bucks. Mm-hmm. When if you go to the store, you can buy eighteen for three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but again, that's a question. So the, the question right. of access. It is. Still, it is yeah. that food desert uh-huh. thing. Um, but the here's another problem. So they say, okay, you can't buy prepared foods. So you can't buy certain things that are prepared at 7-Eleven or, or King Supers or Kroger or whatever, H-E-B. So like if you were going through at 7-Eleven and they got those hot dogs that are sitting there, you can't, you couldn't get one of those. I don't think so. I, I don't know. It says it, the list, and I'm trying to find it, but the list said hot or cold prepared foods. And then it kind of explained it a little bit. Oh, wow, then you wouldn't but, even be able to get the salads then at that point. Correct. That's some fucked up shit. Right. Dude. So you, there, well then... So this is a, like the, the structure of the system is sort of like in that sort of paternalism, you know, thing that we keep coming back to sort of hinders a person's ability to, to make a, a rational, you know, healthy choice at that point in time as well. You know, not saying that that's necessarily what they would do if they could, but it definitely limits the, uh, the ability of those choices that they're making. Well, no, but that kind of circles back. So let's say, I mean, because with the way that they're fucking building apartments and houses in every metropolis that I've been to over the past few years, you know, Salt Lake City, Las Vegas, Phoenix, here in Denver. Um, They're building apartments like crazy. I I call it Californication because, you know, usually with the apartment, there's some sort of fucking shopping center either in the apartment or very near to the apartment. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are several here in Denver, at least two that I know of, where the King Supers is basically in the bottom of the fucking apartment. Um, 
yeah, like a zoning position where you have these giant right. residential spaces and you have the commercial spaces that are allotted and, you know, adjacent. And so uh, food deserts are sort of being shrunk, but I, I do, I'm not saying they're disappearing. I understand that they, that they are there and I do understand that people's access to certain healthy food is not there, but you know, a, a salad at seven 11 that's prepared, um, call it $8, you know, with the shit that is there. If, if there was a grocery store nearby, you know, they could buy the same lettuce and everything else to make two or three salads for $8. The, one, one of the things, just real quick, the King Supers that are built onto the apartments, the places where I see that are in, you know, like urban centers where you have people that are, you know, I think of the one that's right by Coors Field, you know, right right across. I mean, the, those people have money. They're not going to attach, you know. Uh, no, but there is the bougie. Well, so it's half bougie, half poor. The one that's, and I know I'm, I apologize listeners. Cause I know most of you don't have any fucking idea what I'm talking about as far as the neighborhood goes, but there's this one neighborhood Darren knows. I mean, it's it's right off of Spear and 11th, um, you know, so on one side and then the apartment complex, it's money. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side and down, you know, it's not money. But that King Supers has been there forever. I mean, that wasn't a King Supers that was built there. I mean, it was maybe it's built into that building. I mean, I, I get that. But uh, oh, maybe then I don't know. Is that is that a, is that a residential building that it's sitting on? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I even knew that. So So but that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that food deserts exist. exist. Yes. I, I, I know that. Um and Californication might help to some degree, but actually it's probably just gonna fucking increase costs anyway. Mm-hmm. Um but even if they could buy the eight dollar salad with the prepared food thing, mm-hmm. that's still one of those things where you're not spending that money intelligently, efficiently, effectively, how, however you want to put it. And again, so if, if we're giving everybody a hundred bucks, I'd rather have them spend that hundred on actual food to make them healthy. Mm-hmm. And then maybe Then, since they're not buying crap anymore, and I'm not saying we want to cut their benefits, this is just an example of money. Mm-hmm. But you know, now if they're buying healthy stuff that isn't prepared, you know, that doesn't come out of a fucking box, mm-hmm. that now we can take twenty of those one hundred dollars and spend them on education. Because in my mind, and and I don't. Again, I'm not saying let's cut their benefits and build more schools. I do think we probably should pay our teachers more than build more schools. But um, I think education is important, and, and that helps with the entire big picture anyway. Because if we're educating more, then they understand the value of said dollar. They're eating healthier they're doing better in school because now they're eating healthy and, and their, you know, blood is flowing and everything's firing on all, all pistons. Um, 
I, I know that that's a perfect world yeah, sort of you're, thing. You're, you're, you're sort of, yeah, teleologizing an ideal, I mean, at that point in time, which I, I, I can appreciate the desire to do that. But if I come from an incredibly poor neighborhood, uh, most of my time horizons are going to be meal to meal, day to day. Like, I can't even see a future that's like meaningful. Okay. But dude, in high school, we were in a poor I, neighborhood. Can, let me, let me just go off on this for just a second. No. Yes, please. Fuck off. So, um, even if we went through that, that doesn't mean that other people aren't, aren't going through it, aren't going through it in a different way than we, we went through it. And maybe, you know, great bootstraps, you know, good, good for us. No, I don't. That isn't what I was saying. What I was getting at is that there was a King Supers within walking distance. Okay. But again, that's, that's an anecdotal in relation to, to, to our space. Right. But what I'm suggesting is if a person doesn't see a good future, uh, possibly down the road, what's the incentive for them? You know, I'd rather just go get tangy tappy because they're laffy tappy because that's the, the only like happy value that I see from day to day. Well, see that that's kind of where I was getting at. And that's what I was going to say. Some of the things that piss me off Mm -hmm. is because I see these people, one buying a bunch of crap on taxpayer dollars. Mm -hmm. Right. But then they say taxpayer dollars and dollars that come from demand side positions that get pushed out. So just like the, that that's, I'm always going to hit you with that because it's not just taxpayer dollars. But then they say, okay. And on a separate ticket, I want two packs of cigarettes and a hundred dollars worth of lottery tickets. Well, if you can afford a hundred dollars worth of lottery tickets and two packs of smokes, then why the fuck are you on food stamps or EBT or snap or whatever? And again, it, maybe they're hoping that that scratch ticket is going to help them with that bright future that you were talking about. You construct fantasies when you live in a, there's a, there's a, um, a show that I mentioned in a previous episode called Sensei and Sky. He lives in um, Kenya, I think. Um, and uh, when he connects up to one of the other seven peoples in his mind, there's an Indian gal that comes and she's talking to him. And, and she says, why is it that, and because of course India, they're a huge slum. So she says, why is it when I go into these neighborhoods uh, where y'all are struggling so bad, you always have uh, these giant TVs in your living room. And and she he says, she says instead of buying like a good bed or something like that or food and 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 the 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 character says it's the bed takes us into the ghetto the the tv takes us out of it which is i think the the what the lottery ticket does like even if like they're never gonna you know and even if they hit the forty thousand dollars or whatever the number is in all probability, they're, they're probably not going to spend it very well anyway. No, they're going to buy more fucking cigarettes and lottery I, I, tickets. I, I understand that, but their whole life is predicated on this concept of a fantasy, of, of a dream in the first place. Like, uh, 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 that, And they, they don't really see how to get from, from here to there, these okay. individuals, I believe. So, and I know that this isn't absolutely something that, that would work. I I think we could find a way to make it. But, you know, back in high school and college, I used to always talk about the fact that, again, hand up, not hand out, right? And so I wanted to break down these barriers and say, okay, you know, we're going to let these people work and we're going to help them instead of hindering, you know, what, what they can do. And still, I would like to see a program where, 
you know, we take a single mother and we say, okay, here, here's the deal. You don't have to work. We'll feed you. We'll pay your rent. We'll make sure your kids eat. And we'll pay for you to go to school. We'll get you an associate's degree or, or a bachelor's or whatever. Uh-huh. Maybe trade school, mm-hmm. something. To where at the end of it, you know, there there is light at the end of the tunnel. To where maybe they can build a better dream. Mm-hmm. But then the caveat is, you know, after you get said degree or said certificate, you know, you've got so long to find a job and to get up on your feet and then you're done. You're cut off. No more government tit or whatever you want to call it. And I think, I think a program like that could work. And and I think we'd have to really look at the numbers, but right now, like I used to live next door to a woman who She she literally said, I need to have another kid to get a raise. Yeah, it's that that's like the what 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 do they call that? The uh the queen. The, 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 it was it was a rhetorical thing that they used against Clinton uh in ninety-six. Oh the the welfare queen, that that, that concept where yeah, you, you, you have more children, so you get more money and all that. And, and we go back to education on this again because they really need to look at it. Yes, you're getting an extra 2000 or $2,500 a year, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much a kid is worth on the welfare state. But the kid ends up costing you yeah, of, of, more of, of course right yeah they're not doing the calculus I, I i i get that fully but okay i i, I want to take it back for just a second though in this as we've talked about you know where our stupidity has taken us and continues to take us and probably will continue to take us we, we've talked about you know the prison industrial complex you know we've talked about the way that the police are essentially militaries now you know we've talked about the way that they've been privatized so there's so much money that's involved in them in profit we need to have an entire episode on that yeah but but we the the, since it's profit driven then it's not really about uh it's about making money out out of individuals in, in in putting them in these places as opposed to helping to reform them so when i think about the kid that goes to 7-eleven or the parent that goes to 7-eleven and waste waste that money uh, you're, 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 you, you, you paint the picture of, of, of creating a, a, a step-by-step space for them to have an opportunity, but the opportunity leads them right to this area where all these other things in this systemic, like I, I would buy the hand up argument more if there was a social system in place that a person that was going through these struggles actually saw like viable, meaningful possibilities well no that's what i'm saying is that right now we're not doing a hand up we're doing handouts i understand that what you're missing my, my point is and we're hand we're no i'm not we're handing it out to where we're guiding certain people into a direction where they end up in prison because now they can make more money off of that or they end up over here generating a revenue stream for whatever municipality they're in because of 
the extra tax that they put on those nicotine pouches and, you're, and you're, lottery you're tickets. You're painting a really pretty picture where a person can find their way out of the system when they're staring down the barrel of a system that is totally fucked up to begin with. No, they can't. They can't get out of anything. Well, so then why does it matter if they're eating, if they're finding joy in, in, in drinking a Coke and getting a little bit of Laffy Taffy? I understand that it's, but it's part of the, of a, of a bigger cycle, you know, that, uh, that we that we've constructed. Let me just ask you one other question though in relation to it, because like in '96 when they did the when Clinton signed, like he they they the Republican Congress had put to, put two uh, welfare reform bills in. He vetoed both of them. Then they actually sat down and started talking to each other. Um, the he suggested that his uh, intention is to change welfare as we know it, to end the cycles of poverty, um, and the idea. That, that came to birth in 96, the Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunity Re- Reconciliation Act, uh, limited access to a lot of these programs to five years. Is that the same thing for EBT? Is EBT a five-year program, or is that something that a person can can maintain indefinitely based on their... I, I don't know enough about EBT. Mm-hmm. Um, I, From all of the research that I've done and from the people that I know that have used it, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a limitation okay. on it. So it's not like it's not like the other welfare um, uh, programs that, that. Well, a lot of the, so the welfare programs that you're talking about, I think, are the ones where we're actually cutting them a check every. So month. it's the money, the money. Yeah. Ones, yeah. Okay. Um, and I I think that that five year thing is still probably not a hard date and again i'd have to do more research but i'm guessing if i know anything about the government Mm -hmm. is that it's five years as long as nothing has changed Mm -hmm. i.e you know you're still a single mom with so you have to demonstrate. The suggestion is that if, you, if you're demonstrating progress or something like that, then they'll continue to work with you. Or no, my suggestion is is that if if things are the same, uh-huh. they'll cut you off. Mm-hmm. But any little thing can be different, right? Mm-hmm. So now you've had another kid, so the clock starts over. Mm-hmm. Or you started school. So now the clock starts yeah, so over, the, if, or, if you're or whatever. That you're on a road, whatever point. they call, um, what do they call them? Uh, life, life, uh, major life changes, or or something. Uh-huh. It's it's kind of an insurance terminology too, right? Yeah. So there's the open enrollment, you know, once a year, uh-huh. but if one of these major life changes yeah. occurs, then you can go ahead and, and you make it to where you're the only one that's on insurance right. or something like that. Right. Um, but either way, we'd have to look at the specifics a little bit, a little bit closer to. Yeah. And I, I don't know what would make it change or, or what wouldn't mm-hmm. that to me again, but see, that's, that's just kind of fucked up. And I, I'm pretty sure that I made a comment back then that it was fucked up because it, it kind of took my idea of cutting them off at some point, but not not helping them to get to the cutoff point, right? You're just saying, okay, well, fuck it, you're poor. 
and in five years you're going to be even more poor. <laughs> <laughs> you're standing in the last year. Let me give you a push off. So, I I don't I don't think that that's a good program. But as far as I can tell, um, they're not going to cut you off of the EBT or the SNAP because I don't think we want to be known as the government that isn't going to feed their people. I don't know. I think we're getting pretty comfortable in the United States with that. A lot of the, the thoughts that come along with that. You know, it's funny because we, we talk about this shit a lot, but you know, our, our next episode is going to be on dystopian movies yeah. and the we're I mean, really, that's where a lot in. of them are. Yeah. <laughs> They're living in a dystopian movie. Yeah. We are. <laughs> that actually would be a really interesting film idea. If you could, like, make some Philip K. Dick, like, you know, and this is what this kid is experiencing, you know, and make it seem like it's a science fiction, but at the end, you just, the big reveal is that it's just fucking real life, and this is what we're, we are the fucking science fiction dystopia. Well, I mean, that's why I wrote the book the way that I did it. Right. And I'm speaking of my off the grid, the catalyst book, and I apologize again for the plug, but it's not just a plug. It's important because it's social science fiction. It's in the moment. It's right where we're at. Essentially. It's like the next step that we're taking forward. So those are the kind of science fiction books we probably should be writing because you know, like in science fiction, you, you either go star Trek or you go fucking 1984, you know? So it's like either the really bad or what you're imagining the really good, but it's so far out there that like, I mean, if the point of science fiction, and of course this is debatable, but I mean, if the function of it is social dreaming, which I think is the function that you imagine these things and you either try to divert yourself from the bad or move yourself towards the good, maybe if we could get sort of where the rubber meets the road right now, maybe we could affect something. I think you said that about my book, The Rubber Hits the Road. <laughs> um, you know, though, when you said Star Trek, it, that's how I've always described utopia and here's the main reason is because they go up to the little thing and they say i want a chicken pot pie and it goes and then there's I've never chicken, heard, i've never heard anybody order right i i don't pie. know what the fuck they're ordering but it's that would be funny i would like the, that they do order you know food i just can't remember what type of food so everyone in star trek is eating no one is malnourished. No one has flies on their eye. Um, but then again, no one is a burden on the tax base because everyone has these. What the fuck did what were what were they called? The f- they the repl- weren't replicator is what it was. Yeah, called. a replicator. So like O'Brien, you know the 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 he's sitting there yeah. and, and him and I can't remember the Japanese lady. Uh, they they just gotten married and it's the beginning of their marriage and she keeps getting him like seaweed and kelp like every day. So like the only reason I'm just really reminds me of like a chicken pot pie moment. He's like he's like, <laughs> honey, I'm not a fish, you know. I I need to eat something that's a little bit you know with some flavor in it sometimes. Right. So like we could do. You know, chicken, or we we could do oxtails and cabbage and all. He's, he lists all these things that are just, you know, he, he didn't go to haggis, you know, but right. I mean, everything just short of haggis. And she's like, ooh, that sounds really heavy. But 
so I guess the replicator was going down the chicken pot pie direction in that episode. So. Yeah, I mean, but really, I, you could go up and say, I want a fucking strawberry milkshake or Anything. Laffy Taffy. Yeah. I want two packs of cigarettes and $100 worth of lottery you tickets. don't even have to use your EBT card <laughs> to get it. Or trade it, for that matter. But then again, they never told us how much a fucking replicator costs. Yeah. Well, because there's no money in that in that world. No, if right. they're going to give it to, like, the Klingons or the the Cardassians, then there's going to be some sort of, like, exchange. The Cardassians? Card, not Car, the Cardassians. Oh, okay. I, I didn't... I never, Kardashians, that's funny. I, mean, I never even... <laughs> that predated them by a long shot, but either way. So I was talking to somebody at the, uh, when, when I was going over some of this stuff at work. The post office, was we, they delivered food stamps for a good long time. But boy, when they would come in, they would come in in what they call like registry, where it was under fucking lockdown, dude, because those things were worth... I mean, like fucking hundreds of thousands of dollars. dollars. Yeah. yeah. So, but that was when they were tangible. Well, because that, that girl that was selling them for 50 cents on the dollar, she was making an extra $800 a month off of selling them. Now, I don't quite understand that math because maybe she was selling them for more. Or maybe she was lying because if she was selling them for 50 cents on the dollar and making $800, that yeah, means she $1, had $1,600. $1, that's a lot of fucking groceries. And she only had, I think she had three kids. Maybe she faked that she had like seven of them and she drowned them in the bathroom or something. I don't know. I could be, but that was back in the 90s even. So that's even worse because that cost of living isn't really built into that. So maybe she was full of shit. But, well, it was that girl, Kim. She was full of shit. You know, your main argument, like I could go along with it if we started to round out some of these other impossible corners, you know, I, and I think that it would actually start to be more successful. Like people wouldn't want to just do these things that are counterproductive or not healthy, you know, with, with, with the uh, things that are available to them. If, if there was sort of a dream that they could have, that was not so pie in the sky. Like if some of these other things that we've talked about in other episodes. Uh, well, you know, and, and maybe that's one of the things, and, and I know that it's fucking hard and now I'm going to quote Bill Murray and what about Bob, but baby steps. I mean, that's important is don't think so much about, you know, the fact that California is 1500 miles away. Think of the fact that, you know, you can make it to, um, fuck, I don't know, silver plume in an hour and a half, you know, and, and break it down into smaller segments. And that's, that's the only way that I've been able to do any of the shit that I've done in my life is to break it down. But you and I both have delusions of grandeur. You know, we, we, we believe that we, ha we have this other fantasy that these other worlds are possible. Like, and I, I, I don't know that like, you know, when, when, when Huey and Bobby and, you know, Fred Hampton, when they were doing the things they were doing, the revolutionary actions that they were making was feeding fucking kids every day, you know? I mean, and they were trying to feed them healthy food, you know? They were, they, like, when in the moment where you have a collective space where, and it was rejected because it fell outside the the context of the way that the, the royal they 
constructs the way that we're supposed to reproduce right. our conditions every day. You know, the, you're not allowed to help people and give them food. You know, we'll go. You can have food stamps, and you can go down and get yourself some fucking laffy taffy. But you're sure as hell not gonna, you know, let you go into the community and help all these fucking kids out. You know, most of the gangs back then, you know, in the the fifties and and sixties were what you're talking about. It was helping the neighborhood. It was standing up for our own. In Denver, the Brown Berets, they were they were huge with that in the in the in the Latino Latina community. Yeah, so I mean it's and that kind of goes back again to how long they've been keeping us segregated. You know? Latino, Latina, yeah, Brown Berets, yeah, Black Panthers, Black Panthers, yeah. Um, they they don't want us working together no. at all for food or or anything else. Um, and and I do have delusions of grandeur, and I do have some pie in the sky shit. But everything that I've done, and that doesn't mean that I don't fucking get depressed because I'm not there yet. But all of the shit that I've done, that website, people's propaganda, the fact that I was a fucking precinct leader for the Republican Party, all of that shit is part of that baby steps thing. You know, I'm trying to make change, so I've got to make this step. Is that really quoting Bill Murray, though? What I thought that that was said by uh, Richard Dreyfus. Isn't he really quoting? Aren't you really quoting Richard Dreyfus in that point? He's the one that told him baby steps. He is the one, yeah. And baby. that was really important, I want you all to know. Baby steps to the <laughs> elevator. Baby steps to the door. Way, way funnier than Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase was kind of a cockbag. So. Uh, they were all great back then. But then again, Bill Murray was still funny after he quit using drugs. Chevy Chase wasn't so funny after he quit using drugs. And I don't know why they quit anyway. Um, Probably because of John Belushi, dude. No, they <laughs> continued to do drugs way after that. Um, they just weren't doing speedballs, probably. Probably not. But Chevy Chase continued for a long time until the guy... So the guy that wrote Caddyshack was Chevy Chase's best friend. And he got all fucked up and died in Hawaii, and they don't know if he committed suicide or not, but that's kind of when Chevy backed off the drugs. Huh. Well, that'll, that'll do it if, you're, if your good buddy dies. Yeah. I don't know. I think it would make you want to do more. Um, but <laughs> so, you know, we definitely don't have an answer for this or any of the other things that we've been talking about, but that's the important part is that we want you guys – the listeners to talk about it and and maybe just maybe we can figure out something together because you know maybe it's not just the fact that it's taxpayer money um maybe it's the fact that they're not eating healthy anymore and and maybe we do need to shrink food deserts even more um you know, the, there's a lot of problems that we have in this country, um, but that that whole eating healthy thing, you know, and, and being able to do certain things, you know, to think faster and to 
retain information and and things like that all really fall fall into that whole body as a temple thing and again don't i mean i i eat what'd like you eat for, shit yeah, what'd you eat for breakfast today brother i had <laughs> i had some mcdonald's man i had two sausage mcmuffins with egg and a coke before i i know we're getting close to the end but i i just i want to bring up two things real quick and just ask a question about one of them there's there's a, a lot that was made through uh the bernie both bernie sanders campaign in 2016 and 2020 uh rooted in this like emerging economic theory called modern monetary theory that uh, uh, an academic by the name of Stephanie Kelton was one of the main uh, developers of. Um, and there's a lot of problems with, with the way that she couches it because the way she talks about currency is all fucked up. is something that I can't open up the, there's it, this, this, this is an episode on its own too. But uh, um, one of the things that she pointed out real clearly um, is is she 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 reiterated the fact that budgets are not the same when you're dealing with them on a governmental level, especially when you're able to print money and you have a currency that's really 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 strong. She says sovereign currency, but I think that that's where she really fucks up. So um, in that context, we've been getting checks over the course of the last few years. You know, I mean, for our part, we paid for Jeannie's Jeannie graduated college with zero debt. And part of that was because that was what we used our our money for in that time period. And of course, we were in a spot where we could do that, which most people probably weren't. Um, but uh, there is so much in the context of some of the tenets of modern monetary theory where you could create some spaces like something like a UBI, you know, um, what, 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 what does UBI mean again? Um, you know what it means. They're giving you, they, they, they give you checks like once a month or something like that. Are you not familiar that, with UBI? No, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It was uh, uh, the, the Taiwanese guy, Andrew uh, Yang. That was what his uh, platform for UBI was. Uh, uh, universal basic income. Okay. So I, I don't, I can't believe I couldn't remember that off the top of my head. But either way, um, the idea was that uh, people get uh, X amount of dollars given to them uh, a month or a year. They and they do it in a lot of different places. And people they run different governments, smaller municipalities like city uh, states have have put around with it under some circumstances. But uh, the check thing was so pos popular. Um, I guess maybe we'd have to, if you're not familiar with it, we'd have to go back and look at it, look at it a little bit more uh, later. But uh, another guy by the name of Giannis Varoufakis, um, he doesn't like the concept of UBI because it, it, it presupposes this is money that's just being given to uh, um, to uh, individuals. He, he, he thinks it rather is like the money that we put into R&D the the corporations would have to if you benefit like if Moderna and so then we're talking about a return on investment that's exactly and the and the investment comes back and then the people actually benefit from it because they're the ones that put the taxes in to get to to, to develop those things in the first place another another place where he thought it would be interesting to do it is uh, in the spaces where we're our data is being uh, bought and sold because ultimately there there should be a big fucking question as to whether or not that's that's private property that belongs to the individual. Right, and I've heard that argument uh -huh. a bunch too. Uh -huh. Um, as because they're making billions and billions of dollars off of it. Right. I mean, just and, and we're not even talking about like private 
information, but just if you talk about finding the information about contact phone numbers for a corporation, um, sales organizations are paying, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to get that info. So, I mean, we're not even talking about the amount of money that like Google is selling your information for, you know, because you have your location on, so they know you went past that seven 11 here, here and here and here. Um, and that you like to go here. So now all of your competition is going to hit you. Um, or cookies or anything else. So that sort of return, I've heard that argument a bunch. Um, I don't know. I I do think that that's probably better um, because now we're not talking about just giving giving people money because it's their information that that has been sold. Um, And you're conditioning people to think about these things as investments that we're putting out there then. You then end up, though, and and I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but I mean... If we're talking about something like that, then at some point, so that you can make more money, instead of having a kid, you start to expand your digital footprint. So now you're on every fucking social media platform and you've downloaded every fucking app possible. You know, you've got the 7-Eleven app and the Kroger app and all of these different apps. And so now you're you're trying to, like I said, expand your digital footprint. And then, everybody thinks that information just goes and and there's no, no cost to it, right? But every packet, of information hits a server somewhere and it goes through a line somewhere and that all of those lines end up costing money and anyway what i'm getting at is that if everybody's digital footprint got so much bigger because right now we've got just petabytes and petabytes worth of information um stored and most of it is stupid shit like from Instagram and, and whatever. Um, that causes more server farms to be built and bigger and bigger and bigger. Because that takes so, energy. And, right. Yeah, and so there ends up being a cost to that. And again, I don't want to go too far. But, I mean, that goes back to the thing, you know, we got to say at what cost. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that would be easier than to just somehow help these people more. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. Yeah. Um, I, the only reason why I brought it up is just because it's a new thing that people have been really hyped about and because there have been all these discussions about UBI and these other, and then these other lanes where they would say it's not just giving the money out. We're, you know, But no, the point that you make about the fact that people would uh, – then they're, then they're not being productive. They're just finding a way to uh, to produce more information that they can sell, and it, it's just uh, it's it become a, a a vicious cycle at that point in time. Uh, yeah, and, an entirely different carousel. As, as a person who works for the post office, and I know this is the this is the last thing that I'm going to go on. 
uh, we can't hire people right now because nobody wants to fucking work. Like we, we roll, uh, between five and 12. I know uh, one of my friends where he worked at, um, on uh, Tuesday, they rolled 16 routes and that doesn't mean anything to a, to the, to a layman. But let me tell you, if we rolled 16 routes in our station, that would be a third of our station. We, we service 30,000, uh, stops at the station that I'm at, you know, that's pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward in that moment. That's about a third of the station that would not fucking go out. Um, <clears throat> so we can continue to have these jobs where people are not doing anything productive, but at some point in time, you do need your trash men. You do need your mailmen, you know, male women, you know, male people, you know, yeah, male non-binary. Way to be <laughs> politically correct. We all appreciate that so much. So. Yeah, dude. Um, we're, we're at a, a weird place in history right now. I mean, fuck, we're coming up on 50 minutes, so I'm going to say this real fast. I was on a plane. And I was talking to the GM of a, a fairly large restaurant chain. And he was on his way back from their yearly summit. And he said he couldn't hire people. But the reason he was having a hard time hiring people, because this is pre-COVID, was that as a waiter or waitress, they make X number of dollars, but they have to work really hard because most of their stuff is tips. Mm-hmm. He said because weed was legal in Colorado, any fucking dolt that was 18 years old could go get a job paying $25 starting to clip buds, you know, working in the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there are certain jobs right now that are being filled fairly easily, but most jobs out there are empty. And I know managers that are having and have been having trouble for three years finding people. So social welfare, good thing, bad thing. I don't know. Um, we need to come up with a fucking answer because I would like to live in a utopia, not a dystopia. Yes. And, uh, utopia doesn't mean necessarily, uh, a pie in the sky place. Uh, according to my good friend, Janae, it means the good place. So I want the good place too, brother. All right, people. Well, we're going to get out of here. Um, next episode is going to be dystopian movies. I hope you can join us because it's going to be good. I hope it's going to be good. Um, that's all I got. All right. Later. See Thanks you later. So. Wait. 720 334 uh-huh. roll and Twitter. Twitter short bus debate and then TikTok short bus debate club. All right. Later. later.